the knock on the door was getting louder and louder because I was getting a bit, I guess, restless in a way, not knowing where it belongs. But it was so strong in me to pursue. All I came with was like this belief we are going to do it and make it. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Venture Out, a podcast series from Entrepreneurth that shares the brave stories of Northerners who are inspiring innovation and community well being through business. We are fires across the tundra. This is our very first episode of the series, and it's really exciting for me to see this project finally come to life. I'm Zena Cowan, and I'm your host. I'm also the community manager at Entrepreneurth, and I live and work in Yellowknife, NWT, on Chief Draghi's territory, which is the traditional land of the Yellowknife's Dene First Nation. In this first season of Venture Out, we're connecting with fascinating people all across the North who are contributing something very special to their community and to the world through entrepreneurship. I think we've reached this moment in history where people everywhere are rejecting business as usual, and they're seeking out voices and perspectives that shine a different more conscious light on business impact and what it means to create something of real value that will continue to bring wholeness and connection for generations to come. Today's episode guest, for example, talks about her business as a living entity with a soul that needs to be taken care of. But before I introduce you to her, here's a quick background on what we do at Entrepreneurth. We're a project of Makeway, and our mission is empowering Indigenous and community-based entrepreneurs to build sustainable businesses and livelihoods across Northern Canada. Our work allows us the privilege of connecting with entrepreneurs who all have an amazing message to share, and they are what inspired us to say, more people need to hear these stories. Why don't we do a podcast? When thinking about who to profile on Venture Out, the very first person who came to mind was Lena Evick, who is an Inuk educator and businesswoman originally from Pangyurtang, Nunavut. She's also one of our entrepreneur advisors. Her business story is exactly why Venture Out exists, and it's a story that people from all different backgrounds and geographic spaces can fall in love with. Lena is truly the embodiment of integrity. And while I think she's doing some of the most important work in Nunavut, she always shows up with this profound sense of humility. Lena is the president, founder, and visionary of the Peruvik Center, which is based in Nunavut's capital, Iqaluit. It's a social enterprise entirely dedicated to Inuit well-being through language and culture, and it all started with a haunting dream that Lena had one night back in the early 2000s. My name is Lena Evik. I'm originally from Pannoktok, but I've been living in Iqaluit for many years. My business is called Perovic Center. And it's a consulting and training company for Inuit language, culture, and well-being. So it did, it did start as a seed, but it did start 
or begin as a very or far away concept through a dream, like a galaxy away uh, when it first entered my mind or entered, entered something in me. But now it has become such a, a great and even beautiful reality that its first inception or chapter seems to have become pretty vague at times for me now, which I think is a good thing because now I'm way down in further furthering the chapters. In this episode, you'll also meet three powerful women in Lena's circle. Papazzi and Rango Kotirk, Bernice Clark, and Sila Watt-Cloutier. Papazzi and Bernice are both students and graduates of the Peruvic Center, and they also happen to be entrepreneur cohort members. Papazzi has this beautiful line of bespoke parkas, and her company is called Papazzi. And Bernice has this incredible soap business with her husband, Justin, called Wasau Soaps. Nobel Peace Prize nominee Sila Watt-Cloutier, as many of you know, is an Inuk environmental, cultural, and human rights advocate, and she's the author of The Right to Be Cold. Sila and Lena are longtime friends, and their work has a lot of overlap. These women have all witnessed firsthand the magic of Peruvik's creation story, and Lena's vision has impacted their lives in very profound ways. The main interest, first of all, is really to, to promote our Inuktut language at all levels, if we can. Uh, we believe that we have a need to retain the quality of Inuktut, but we also are facing an issue where there's some um, language loss in some aspects of it, probably more like in the home, but also the workplaces also a place where Inuktut language is not as used much as before. I believe it's, it has been a slow erosion of the quality of our Inuktut languages. And I cannot really pinpoint one main cause because there's been series of them since over a few decades back. And mostly today though, uh, I must say that most of our public services are carried out, if not mostly, but all in English in some communities. And that's not helping our Inuktut to have a, a healthy use and space in the community. I mean, we cannot deny the fact that we have gone through an era where our language was not allowed to be used in the schools. I see many of our younger generations are reaching out to find support and the means to reclaim their real, well, their true identity. I would say their whole identity. Having also gone through their own language loss, they are now feeling the, the time that it's time to learn your language to really understand where one comes from. So the interest is definitely out there. So my name is Papatsi Anrengo Kutil, and I'm right currently living in Iqaluit, Nunavut. However, my family is originally from um, Iqaluit, Nunavut, um, but I've grown up here in the capital city. Um, right now, I'm a student at Pirofik Center, and I am also a member of Entrepreneur's Fashion Cohort. Since I was a young girl, this has been a big goal of mine to relearn my language. And um, it was very much motivated by my unilingual speaking great-grandmother, um, Rachel Urasuk, or also known as Bitter, um, she, when we, when we would go visit her, she would smile and we would smile, exchange hugs and kisses and 
I really wished that I could understand her and her stories and um, communicate with her and have that exchange. And it was just our language barrier that got in the way. So as a young girl, I would come home from school and I would teach myself that you need to do language chart, <laughs> the ipitiki chart, and then I would practice reading and I would try so hard to learn. And that kind of faded after she passed away, you know. But then it was reignited again when I became pregnant with my son because I wanted to be able to have him grow up with the language. I didn't want him to experience the same feeling of loss and shame <laughs> that I grew up feeling because I didn't have my language. Years ago, Lena recognized that there was a deep need for cultural programming that would allow Inuit to reconnect with themselves. The impact of language loss resulting from cultural genocide really can't be overstated, and it's clear that the only way for healing and revitalization to successfully happen is through the leadership of Indigenous people like Lena. She first fell in love with education in her late teens, but it was only after a dream much later that she realized Peruvik was her calling. Yes, yeah, so when I was offered a couple of jobs, I used to think, I wonder if that's the dream. I wonder if that's part of that dream. The knock on the door was getting louder and louder because I was getting a bit I guess, restless in a way, not knowing where it belongs. But it was so strong in me to pursue. But something was haunting me, actually. The dream, the dream would get so, so vivid, so strong. So when I decided to sketch it, way before I started Pirovic, when I decided to sketch it, the second time, because I sketched the, the facility the very first morning after my dream. But I decided to sketch it into a bigger concept and bigger, even bigger facility. That first sketch was like the key thing that it was not going to go away anymore. I kept revisiting it and revisiting it. And then I decided to sketch it bigger. And when I did, I created the vision statement for it, and it's, it was like the very first roadmap of Perufik in full color with all the rooms, and it had two floors with a lot of natural, natural tundra around. Uh, amazing programs, keeping people in it very busy and inspired. And then I started sharing it one-on-one -on -one with close friends. I started sharing it with a group even before I plunged into it. All I came with was like this belief we are going to do it and make it. Without 
That was Lina singing a beautiful short song called Pisissima. Peruvik now runs full-time Inuktut programming in partnership with the University of Victoria. Peruvik's faculty includes esteemed Inuit elders who teach courses from start to finish in the classroom and on the land. Bernice Clark spoke to me over Zoom in her kitchen and shared what it's been like for her to be in one of these courses. So this is another magic of uh, Lena that I didn't mention. I took Bring the Qulliq Home. I also took um, skinning, seal skin from beginning to end. Okay, so she has elders teaching. She has taught elders how to teach university level courses. I have never heard of that. So she, she gives them uh, trust and ownership. The way the elders taught the program was, okay, this, it was just smooth. It was empowering to see an elder be an instructor alone. There's no, they, Lena would come in and say hi, and then the elder would continue the course, the programming after Lena left. And it ran perfectly. It was smooth. It was the most easy of all the courses I've taken. I didn't feel anxiety. I didn't feel scared. I felt uh, owner, like I, I owned it, it's mine. Peruvik is also renowned for creating all its program materials and productions in-house. These include textbooks, music, an Inuktut keyboard that you can download as a free app, and their award-winning website, tusalanga.ca, which offers a world of lessons on Inuktut, including the different dialects, all for free. I think, simply put, just symbolizing our Inuit identity. We have a beautiful culture and beautiful language, and it's very difficult to, to divide the two from each other. And our traditions are our form of celebrating our identity. And in, when we use our language to even uh, enhance all that, we get a little bit more elevated each time. So I think simply showing who we are to ourselves and to our children and to the rest of the world, it elevates us as a society, as a person. Pirothik, which means a place for growth uh, in my language, Pirothik Center was meant to be uh, a place where Inuit and not Inuit alike come to learn about Inuit and also to learn Inuktut. But I knew that it would be a space where Inuktut learning is taking place at different stages of focus, but that definitely Inuktut would also be delivered at very high level, meaning high level of quality. So I also envisioned that the well-being component of Pirothik uh, would be a highlight as well, where um, we Inuit women would be learning to hone our skills, and alongside Inuit men would be learning to hone their skills. Uh, we envisioned that we would have uh, joined the two at times or sometimes and create a space where women and men uh, would be trained together without boundaries, because that's just the way we are now today. Also, we go out on the land without men. <laughs> like there's so much, so much difference today than the way it used to be before. 
and to be self-sufficient, to be as much self-reliant as we can be. Um, we really need to learn from each other now. Bernice experienced this coming together of men and women out on the land. Under the instruction of elders, they built a tent together. It's so subtle. You have to listen. Every word. <laughs> and we all love the words that come from our elders. So we just sit there and listen and take the. So when we finished the meeting, we knew what we had to do. So she said, we're going to build a big tent. This is how it's going to be used for. Nothing, no other plan was made, but we're going to build it this size. It's going to look like this. So the guys went in and built the frame. They built the, it was, it just went up. It was just built like it was Lego. And then the women had the knowledge passed to them what was the vision. So then they started sewing and we were all around each other knowing the significance of what was being built, made and sewn in front of us. It was like this quiet, ah, oh, peaceful, powerful moment. And then it was finished, put it on, it was done. It was like, wow, like beautiful. How do you just do that? Like, and we come together and are so um, supportive, loving, and they know what needs to be done and they, they get it done and they do it like it was nothing. <laughs> uh, we have now come to this wonderful phase where we're now offering three full-time training programs, uh, all in our language, all for Inuktut retention and growth. So one is Aulnerpik program, which is an Inuktut second language program for Inuit who are not functional in Inuktut, didn't grow up in knowing Inuktut or speaking it. And it's a certificate program and because we've partnered with University of Victoria, uh, it's an um, accredited certificate program. Uh, we also have the Qimatuvik program, very much uh, same structure as Aunerpik. It's for uh, Inuit who are fluent speakers of Inuktut, are Inuktut speakers as their first language and who are enhancing their skills, um, mostly to use it at professional level in the workplace. And it's also an accredited certificate program. Our third full-time program we call Akkusirpik, which we're only going to start delivering this spring, later, late spring, uh, is an Inuktut instructor training program. It's a diploma program. And so those are now our core focus. But all of them incorporate the well being division, the well being programs that we have, such as the Reclaiming the Whole Women and Reclaiming the Whole Man. All of the amazing things that Peruvik has become the full time programming, the university partnership, which, by the way, means that students can access tuition funding, are grounded in Lena's ability to manifest. People want to be a part of her vision, and her friend Silouat Cloutier can attest to this. Well, you know, Lena's vision, because she's a visionary, uh, there's no doubt about that, and what she envisages and what she um, imagines and dreams um, always bears fruit, you know, it always comes to fruition in terms of what her vision is for how she sees Perukvik being the place of growth, uh, which is what it's called, and the place of being able to come back to yourself as, a, as an Inuk woman, as an Inuk man, and um, developing those kinds of skills that really just strengthen your sense of self-identity and self-worthiness as an Inuk. And so she has this incredible gift of being able to translate her visions into real reality of whether you're developing programs in book form or uh, visual form uh, and even in infrastructure. And so she's just been able to 
uh, really translate and put those kinds of visions into concrete action, uh, something very tangible uh, that everybody can tap into, anyone who wishes to can tap into. These days, Peruvik primarily delivers full-time cohort programming just for Inuit students. Occasionally, there are opportunities for non-Inuit to enroll in separate introductory courses, but this was much more common in Peruvik's early days. Each year, more and more Inuit are stepping into Peruvik's circle and reclaiming what is truly theirs and theirs alone. Peruvik is 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 there for Inuit, you know, and and Inuit well-being, and I really appreciate that because we're allowed to have our own spaces too. I think so much, like our our Inuit language is declining at 1% per year. And um, I think it can have a lot to do with us being very compromising for other people a lot of the time, you know? We're very inclusive and welcoming as, as Inuit. And sometimes it's to our own detriment. And I think it's okay sometimes for us to have our own spaces. The Peruvik Center is a beautiful space located in Iqaluit's downtown core. And when you step inside, you immediately sense that you are in a brave, inspiring space that is grounded in learning and Inuit excellence. This is the kind of knowledge and practices that I really crave, you know, as an Inuk youth. And I believe that a lot of other Inuit youth are craving this kind of learning, you know, to learn our language, learn these cultural practices and skills that are, yeah, they're good for the Inuk soul, <laughs> I guess you can say, yeah. When I enter Birovik, I never want to leave. It's like this, I, I'm pretty sure I make that sound when you take something out and it's like suction to the wall. When I walk in, it's like instantly my mind, my soul, my spirit is inside, like inuktitut, completely 360. It's a mind shift. It's beautiful. Her legacy.
That song you just heard is called Atataga by Inuk artist Reet, who, like Lena, is from Pangyartung. Atataga means father, and it's a beautiful segue into Lena sharing about her father and mother and the pivotal roles that they played in her life. First of all, I was born at one of our family's traditional camps around Cumberland Sound. And Cumberland Sound is just outside of our modern day Pangnurta, which is north of Iqaluit. At the time, most Inuit families still lived on the land in their traditional places. And before settlements were established, our upbringing was like traditionally focusing around our gender roles and responsibilities, because that's how it was always being raised by my mother, mainly her teachings to have the best womanhood I could have when I'm older, to have the skill and ability to raise my own family. Those were always the utmost, you know, aspired goals for each family. But having just said that, one of my biggest role models was my father. My father was a man of very few words and very big through action. But I think one of his strongest influence on my worldview as young Lena at the time was, and still is actually, to never waver away from my own cultural practices of Inuit beliefs. There were changes happening in our community that kind of started in the 70s, maybe mid 70s, when it came to new ways of seeing religion or practicing religion for, uh, for an instance. And my parents, especially my father, never really settled for that in his heart, I would think, uh, meaning he was strong in his contradiction to never leave his Inuit cultural or spiritual practices solely for a new one. Although he never had anything against any other religions, but my point is that uh, he wanted to stay strong and well in all aspects of his being as an Inuk. Like physically, he was so physically fit. And mentally, he, he cleared his mind. And emotionally, he was very strong. Um, emotionally extremely strong and spiritually really wanted to always have respect for our ancestors and he would always tell us that and tell me that and I think that's what he wanted also for us his children for sure so I respect that fully so when I said my father was uh, a man of few words my mother was quite the opposite uh, she was pretty outspoken, but in a really positive way and not shy at all, quite animated. When she spoke, her body was moving around her hands. She would periodically poke you in the eyes uh, in a way because she, she uh, moved around her hands arms so much. And I even remember her performing on the stage during Christmas community games and she would perform up there doing her funny shows. That's how outspoken and outgoing she was. The gifts that Lena received from her parents set her up to become a professional who leads with her heart and her mind. Before launching Pihuvik, Lena was a teacher, a principal, a curriculum developer, and she even owned a women's clothing boutique. Lena's a true fashion lover, and I think that's why I love her so much. All of these experiences prepared Lena to venture out and open Pihuvik. But because she's built this entirely new model, something that didn't exist before, she and her team have had to learn and problem solve as they go. Definitely, you have wanted all your relatives, your family, <laughs> to understand that it's not a nine-to-five profession, <laughs> that it means sometimes 
no evenings or no weekends for fun or for even family time. And I also, because my company is not like a retail company or, you know, profit making company, but that is a, it, but it's a social entrepreneurship company that, it, that is existing purely for a cause. Uh, more than just a business incentive itself. And the nature of it being Inuktut language training, who's going to provide you funding for that for a long haul? No one with no core funding for operations and, and full-time salaries. You constantly have to kind of tackle on that future of the company. So you become a, a good juggler, so to speak. Okay, you have outlined your POIs and, and uh, match them with, you know, the projects or programs, whether those programs or projects have only one year lifespan or even less, but you juggle enough that you're feeding everybody from the pot. Okay. <laughs> There's no question that operating a social enterprise in the North alongside government and industry is really hard work that can sometimes feel like an uphill battle. Having an optimistic and flexible mindset has allowed Lena to guide her team through lots of uncertainties, and it all goes back to that vision she put on paper years ago, when Peruvik was still just a dream in her mind. Creating your big picture and vision statement is actually... Uh, like a little uh, good luck charm that you carry in your pocket at all times. In that sense, it's sort of, if you really carry it that with your heart and soul in a way, it seems to have its own veins and flesh, that it's not just a skeletal business plan, but it's like a whole being that you go along with your journey. Yeah, so I read a book some time back. I used to read a lot about business stuff and I read a book about a soul, uh, a firm has a soul. And I believe that, it, not in the same manner as we human beings do, but if we believe that it, you can relate to it as some, something with a soul, with an energy, uh, you take better care of it and you give more of your good values into it. Now, I bet you're wondering, what does the future of Peruvik look like? That is one of the biggest questions of all times. <laughs> I, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, so, and to not say much about it uh, at this point, but all I know is every company, every business structure has to face a change. Uh, it never ever stays the same all the way forever, no. Knowing the demand, knowing the interest out there for language training, Inuktut language training and whatever else we do, knowing that it's a huge pull of uh, people's needs and interests that becoming smaller is not the future of Pilofic for the next phase. It has to be a bigger uh, enhancement. So I know that, I, I feel that. The saying goes, when a student is ready, a teacher appears. I think it has been both ways for Pirovic. When Pirovic appeared, students came. When students were ready, Pirovic happened. Uh, that's why I really would 
would so much love to see little pelvic centers in many of our communities. There should never be just one, one thing only. That's why I believe in many different opportunities, many different little colleges in the North, not just one. Many little sub-universities in the regions are not just one big central thing. So I think when there's something like this in the at the community level, it's not based upon just policy anymore. It's actually implementation at its core. And that's when you have the people taking it and growing uh, from it. In this last part of our conversation, I asked Lena some rapid-fire questions that she answered in typical Lena style. Thoughtful, unique, and fun. Okay, Lena, here we go. Where is your happy place? Okay, that's a question for right now, this present moment, isn't it? You're right. Okay, so... The present moment uh, happy place for me is the, the room I'm in right now, my ups, upstairs studio at my place, my home, because I just love my view of the, the ice, the tundra, and the beautiful mountains across. Like it just sustains me every single day. Beautiful. Lena, what is something that you love to treat yourself to? Um, I don't treat myself a lot. I don't even believe in pedicures or manicures or getting my hair done much. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like any of that stuff. But, you know, a treat to me is something that comes rarely. And I would say a really great dinner over a really really quality Rioja wine. What is one business that you would like to see launched in your community? Good question too. Now, I love all kinds of Inuit businesses in my community and I'm so proud of the ones that have had the courage to set up and establish their uh, businesses up here and here in Iqaluit. Being like a camper, Inuit going out camping every season, you know, every every year, and us having very little access to the kind of supplies that we do like and need. I would sometimes like to see a Canadian, something equivalent to Canadian Tire or Home Depot opening in Iqaluit. Last question for you, Lena. To you, Inuit entrepreneurship is, and you can finish the sentence. When I often think about entrepreneurship, uh, indigenous entrepreneurship, uh, it never takes me to the past, but it takes me to the future all the time. Um, like, I think I just see it as part of a future uh, trend. So I would say that indigenous entrepreneurship is a 21st century trend with no end in sight. I've found a new idol in Lena Ivik, um, I guess, after learning more about her story. And I guess it also, she has um, rubbed off on me um, because, you know, role models are so important. And, and once you see that there's a successful Inu businesswoman who has realized her dream from the ground up, you think, I can do that too. I can be, I can be my own boss too. I can um, create something just as awesome. And then um, seeing, and then that's when I kind of solidified in my mind that I want to be a business person. I want to go, I want to be an entrepreneur and take my passion 
and turn it into a sustainable business? This is a model. Uh, what Birokvik is and what Lena has has uh, developed here and you know, with her vision is an incredible model that could be used anywhere after this. And, and it should be. I mean, it, it has a far reaching, it has the potential to, to reach very far in terms of what is it like to rebuild back the community? You know, the work that I do is trying to teach the world that what happens in the Arctic, you know, has great ramifications, not just in terms of the geographical or the physical aspect of climate change and so on, but also what the world is seeking in terms of how do we develop and, and bring back a sustainable world that is not going to break down as, as we see what it is doing now with, uh, you know, with climate change and even with the pandemic. But how do we build back communities that are vulnerable? How do we build back you know, the resourcefulness of people so that we're not dealing with the highest suicide rates in North America? that we're not dealing with the, the most health challenging uh, issues uh, in, in Canada, you know, as, as, as Canadians, as Indigenous peoples. say this in all of the talks I give, it's the medicine we seek. Indigenous wisdom and knowledge is the medicine that we seek in the world that is grappling with how do we deal with sustainability? How do we deal with the degradation uh, of our, of our, of our uh, environment, our atmosphere with climate change? All of those things are very interconnected and interrelated. And so this is what it looks like to build back the pride, the dignity, the integrity, the self-worthiness, the resiliency, the coping ability, the built-in capacity to deal with cha great change in a modern world that has hit our world so deeply and so harshly. This is what it looks like. What Bill Fick is doing is to build back that sense of self and the true essence of who we are meant to be as human beings who are often dehumanized and, um, and, and to offer to the world the medicine that it seeks. Honestly, that I really do respect and value my life as an Inuk woman. Sometimes I get a little bit of this grateful feeling inside that I was born into this Inuit culture because there is so much I love about this Inuit culture and being an Inuk woman. Thanks for listening. This episode is really a celebration of Lena and all the gifts that she's brought to the world with her business. And while she's certainly well-known in certain circles, I think more people need to hear her story. So to learn more about Pehuvik and how you can support them, check them out on Facebook and visit pehuvik.ca. That's P-I-R-U-R-V-I-K dot C-A. Venture Out's production team includes myself and Travis Mercredi. Our theme song is called Fires Across the Tundra, and it's by the incomparable Leela Gilday. Today's episode also featured songs by Reet and Lena herself. I also want to acknowledge Entrepreneur's project director, Ben Scott, for all his encouragement and ideas and patience. Seriously, this podcast would not exist without him. Our next episode features Gwich'in fine jeweler Tanya Larson, who not only makes stunning pieces, but proves that practicing your culture can be your full-time job. She's joined by her longtime mentor, Carrie Atombi of Atombi Metals, who is quite literally a living treasure.
These two are now like sisters. And we talk about the love story of mentorship and just how life-changing it is for entrepreneurs and artists alike. So you won't want to miss this conversation. You can listen to Venture Out on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as the entrepreneur.ca website. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a review. That helps a lot. We're sharing our content on Entrepreneur's Instagram and Facebook, and we would love to hear from you. So you can send us a message to podcast at entrepreneur.ca. See you next time. We are fires across the town.